What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I am your host, Movie Mike, and today I am breaking down underrated movies by A-list actors. These are movies maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you haven't seen for some reason, but I think need some attention brought to them because they are really great performances by some of my favorite actors, plus a movie review of now the biggest movie on Netflix, Red Notice. And then in the trailer park, we'll take a look at Jurassic World Dominion. They just dropped this prologue. Thanks for being subscribed and for listening every single week, especially if you're listening on Monday, which is release day. Shout out to the movie crew. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So I wanted to take this episode and recognize some movies from some A-list actors that I think are underrated. Maybe because when they came out, they weren't as well received. They were a bit of departure for some of these actors. Sometimes they didn't just perform as expected as the box office. And in other cases, I think there's some that over time, they've kind of lost their cultural impact. And we just kind of forgot about these. Sometimes they just get a little bit forgotten. And I feel like in the grand scheme of things, they start to become underrated the less and less people reference some of these movies. So I want to start with the movie that inspired this entire list that I finally got around to watching. And it was one that I just hadn't really heard much about. And it's a movie called One Hour Photo starring Robin Williams. It came out back in 2002. And immediately upon reading the synopsis and the overall plot for this movie, I was completely hooked in. It's about Robin Williams who plays this really lonely technician guy who's working at kind of like a Walmart slash Walgreens photo development department. And he plays this character named Sai, who has worked at this photo lab for years. And over the years of working there, he's developed this kind of obsession with this family whose photos he's been working with for years now. 
to the point to where he's followed their entire life through pictures when they had a kid. And the movie starts out innocently enough, kind of focusing on his story. And I kind of resonate a little bit of what it's like to be a lonely guy and want to, you know, just be a part of someone else's life of what you think is the perfect life. And it kind of turns into this psychological thriller, which I'm a big fan of. And I really love any movies that depict somebody's descent into madness to when they start out as a regular enough person, but through the torment in their life, through the pain and suffering that they have, you know, whether it's deep down internalized in them, it just starts to spill out a little bit, a little bit in this movie. And you see Robin Williams character just kind of all out lose it. So he goes from just kind of idolizing this family of what he would look like, you know, painted into those photos And over the years, he has been making duplicates for himself, which is really creepy and keeping them. And the entire movie kind of turns once his boss realizes what he's been doing and then his entire world gets kind of shifted upside down. So why I think this movie is underrated is because it is something unlike anything I've ever seen from Robin Williams. And he was greatly known for his comedic roles, his more dramatic roles. But this one, it's almost... I feel like one of his best performances I've ever seen. And it's also just kind of sad knowing that there are people like this, people going through similar things like this, and you just want to be kind of recognized. And something that could start out so innocently enough of just feeling like, oh, you're taking some pictures for your own personal enjoyment, which yeah, sounds very creepy looking back on this. While you're kind of disgusted by what he is doing and what he kind of the level he takes it in this movie you also kind of feel bad for him knowing that he is suffering greatly. And the other thing I really enjoyed about this movie, while I feel it's underrated, it really kind of encapsulates that moment in time going from the 90s to the 2000s. The whole idea of kind of film being, you know, taken out of the equation of nobody really using disposable cameras, nobody really using film anymore, it all goes to digital. It kind of has a parallel in this movie of his life of like, oh, What I once had is no longer there. The times are moving. So it's a really kind of great transitional piece of going from 90s movies to 2000s movies. And it felt like a very 2000s movie when I watched it. And I think now as we are in the 2020s, which is weird to say, but I think we're seeing more and more in pop culture of, you know, references now back to the early 2000s of what that kind of time period is now and what kind of represents that time. And I think you see that a lot when you watch this movie being that it came out in 2002. So at the top of my list in underrated movies from A-list actors, I would go with a one-hour photo starring Robin Williams, and you can watch that as of now on Hulu. That's where I watched it. Next up on my list, I want to go all the way back to the 70s. I think I got an email once saying that I don't talk about movies from the 70s enough, so I want to add an underrated movie from the 70s, one of my favorites that I just feel like So many comedies now owe so much to this movie. And, you know, I see all these lists of like the funniest movies of all time. I feel like this one doesn't get referenced enough for one, how groundbreaking it was two how much movies kind of borrow from this formula now. And three, just kind of how it changed not only comedy movies, but college party movies in general. And the movie is Animal House from 1978. The A-list actor is John Belushi, which... At the time when this movie came out, he was as big as it got in comedy, but he was mainly known for TV. He was a star cast member on SNL, and that's really where he was, a star. But this was kind of his first film as that established star. So he was 28 years old, hadn't been in any movie yet, but you put him in this movie 
And it really just changed everything when it came to comedy movies. And you also have a young Kevin Bacon in there just kind of starting out his film career. And Animal House really just set the blueprint for college comedies. Without this movie, there would be no like American Pie 2, no Project X, no Neighbors, no Old School. I think all those types of movies kind of owe all their credit to what Animal House did. And it's really one of the funniest movies of all time. I just think since it came out in 1978, when you come up with a list in, you know, 2021 of people listing their funniest movies, it kind of now just starts in like the 90s, the 2000s. And then even since then, I feel like comedies really haven't been a thing in the last 10 years. One, because it's really hard, you know, to make things that are funny to a mass amount of people now. Two, you probably couldn't make a movie like Animal House today. Really, a lot of those 70s, 80s comedies are based on things you couldn't really do now anymore. And three, I don't really think we have that many comedic stars anymore. And the ones we do have, I feel, are so typecast that there's not really kind of an ensemble comedy cast like we've had in probably 10, 20 years. So many great lines in this movie, like the I'm a zit, the toga chant. And I think one of my favorite ones is when they get all called into the dean's office to list out and told their grade point averages. I think that's one of my favorite scenes out of the entire movie. When John Belushi's character gets told that he has a 0.0 grade average. Mr. Blutowski, 0.0. So on my list, the underrated movie from the A-list actor, John Belushi is Animal House from 1978. If you haven't seen that movie, put it on your list. Next up on my list is a movie I watched as a kid back in 1998, and it's called Small Soldiers. A couple A-list actors in this, actually. The main toy character is voiced by Tommy Lee Jones, and he plays Lieutenant Chip Hazard in this movie, the leader of the bad guys in this, and then you also have Kirsten Dunst, who was already an all-out star from when she was a kid. And what this movie is about, it's basically like Toy Story gone wrong and a lot more violent than you would expect a kid's movie. Now, it is rated PG-13, but I remember as a kid it being totally marketed just towards any kid. And you also had the entire toy aspect to it. The same way that Toy Story was, you go watch the movie, then you want the toys. It really had the same kind of effect. But when you watch Small Soldiers, you realize that this movie was really just a movie for adults kind of pitched to kids. The violence was more intense. The kids actually get hurt in this movie. There's a little, not a whole lot of suggestive language. But I mean, even the toys in one scene are kind of sexualized. So in disguise, it was kind of a kid's movie that was kind of marketed more towards tweens and teenagers. So basically what happens in the movie is there's this teenager named Alan. His dad owns a toy store bunch of boring toys so what does he want to do he wants to take this shipment of these new commando elites to bring back and drive sales to the store but what he doesn't know is the makers of this toy put some like really intense military chips into them so they are so smart that they're actually able to fight back and they try to essentially take out humans. And I say that not lightly, like their actual goal in this movie is to kill humans. But it's a movie that feels very much like a 90s movie and one I just feel that gets overlooked a lot when talking about movies from our childhood. And I think I owe a lot of loving this movie is the voice of Tommy Lee Jones. He plays a really good kind of disgruntled military guy. I think every movie he does, he's a disgruntled guy. So I would say this is one of my favorite Tommy Lee Jones performances, a movie I think is underrated from him, and also an underrated movie from Kirsten Dunn's early career. So on the list would go Small Soldiers from 1998. 
Up next on my list, we'll go back a little bit more into the 80s, which is another genre I don't talk a whole lot about, but I have a lot of favorite 80s movies. And I think this is one of my favorite 80s movies of all time. And it's from Jeff Daniels in a movie called Something Wild. And I remember the first time I watched this movie. Now, as a kid, I didn't have a whole lot of VHS tapes. We couldn't really afford those a whole lot unless we were getting them from the garage sale. So I would always just kind of scan the channels for anything just played on regular TV, anything that I could get by moving the bunny ears on the old Zenith TV. And I would sit there on, you know, Saturday afternoons and just scan anything. And a lot of my favorite movies came from movies I would just find randomly on TV. And one movie in particular was called Something Wild, starring not only Jeff Daniels, but also Ray Liotta. And for a while, it was just one of my favorite movies. Now, what the movie is about, Jeff Daniels, he's really just like a uptight banker and he gets kidnapped by this kind of free-spirited, off-the-wall, complete opposite of him woman played by Melanie Griffith. And she basically kind of, quote-unquote, kidnaps him and tries to take him on this just crazy adventure. She wants him to pose as her husband at a high school reunion. They go to the high school reunion and that's where you meet Ray Liotta's character who is her ex and he basically confronts them and that's kind of the synopsis of the movie. But I think why I love this movie so much is because I had actually seen Dumb and Dumber before I watched this movie but I remember being so kind of captivated at how Harry from Dumb and Dumber was playing a more serious role and I think since Dumb and Dumber Everybody kind of thinks of him as that character a lot, but he's done a lot of serious roles since. If you look at his entire movie catalog, that's really the only straight-up comedy he's done that kind of crazy and off the wall. But for me, it was this first role seeing him like this that I really enjoyed seeing. A movie that feels very 80s, and I would describe as being one of my favorite 80s movies of all time. One of Jeff Daniels' roles I just feel is underrated. So on the list, I'm going with Something Wild from 1986. Next up on my list, a few A-list stars in this one that I feel it's an underrated movie for. A movie starring Kristen Stewart, Ryan Reynolds, and Jesse Eisenberg from 2009, and the movie is Adventureland. It's a movie that takes place in the 80s. Again, the 80s theme here that we have going. But what I loved about this movie is although it does take place in the 80s, it's not your stereotypical 80s-looking movie. I think movies that, you know, are made 20 years after the 80s, they often kind of represent the 80s in the same way. And the stereotypes, you know, the fashion, the music, the overall plots, the set design, the clothes, all those things are kind of just stereotypical 80s in, you know, movies made later. But what I loved about this one is it really kind of just incorporated and encompassed that time of, like, what it would be like for normal people. And it's not overshadowed in any way that it's taking place in the 80s. It just feels like a modern take on the 80s, which I loved. And at the time, Jesse Eisenberg was, I felt like in every movie, you know, he did really well in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Probably more of an A-list star at that point than he is now. But then you also have Kristen Stewart coming off of Twilight Ryan Reynolds still kind of on his rise, but still a well-known name at the time. And then also you can throw in Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, who are all in this movie. So it's a really big cast of all these big actors. And I just feel like this movie gets overlooked a lot. So it's about Jesse Eisenberg's character, plays a college kid who has this big trip planned to go to Europe. Turns out his best friend bails. 
His parents tell him they're no longer going to pay for the trip, so he has to take a job at this local amusement park. And it's really kind of a coming-of-age story of that period of your life. And it all takes place over the summer, which I love a movie that takes place over the summer. So it came out in 2009. I recently watched it again on Netflix and still thought it held up. It's not a straight-on comedy. It's kind of like a dramedy. And I just really like Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg together. They did another movie together called American Ultra. I just think they have a lot of on-screen chemistry. But this is my favorite from the both of them. So on the underrated movies from A-list actors Kristen Stewart, Jesse Eisenberg, and Ryan Reynolds, I'm going with Adventureland from 2009. All right, I have a few more here that I'll run through on my list. One is my favorite George Clooney movie from 1996, and it is From Dust Till Dawn. It's a movie about these two brothers. One is George Clooney, the other is Quentin Tarantino, and they're on the run from the Texas police. And they do so by basically hijacking this family's RV and forcing them to drive them into Mexico, where they go to a bar to meet these people. And then you find out that everybody in this bar is a vampire. I think George Clooney was arguably his best in the 90s, and he is just so charismatic in this movie. Plays a great lead Because it's a mix of action, it's a mix of horror, with a splash of weird, which I love. And the movie was written by Quentin Tarantino and directed by Robert Rodriguez. A movie I can't recommend enough. My favorite George Clooney movie, I think is underrated from him, From Dust Till Dawn from 1996. Another one I wanted to mention was one of my favorite actors is Mark Wahlberg. I feel like he's a very underrated actor in general, known mostly for his action movies. But where I think Mark Wahlberg kind of shines a little bit more is his comedic movies. And I think one of his underrated movies is Ted from 2012. Now, it's from the mind of Seth MacFarlane, who was the creator of Family Guy. And the best way I kind of describe this movie, it's kind of a live-action Family Guy. And I think that's why I loved it so much. Seth MacFarlane, who is a lot of the voices on Family Guy, from Stewie to Peter to Brian Griffin, he is the voice of Ted. And I almost feel like he does the exact same voice that he does for Peter Griffin. But I think that paired with Mark Wahlberg's comedic performance in this movie makes it one of my favorite comedies. And yes, it's dumb. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yes, it's pretty much downright stupid. It's basically the story of Mark Wahlberg's character who got this teddy bear as a kid. The teddy bear talked and they became friends and then stayed friends through his entire teenage years, and now he's an adult and basically living the same way he did when he was a kid with this teddy bear. So if you're able to get through that dumb premise, it's actually a really good comedy. Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis. I think a lot of people just write this off as another dumb comedy, but I feel like it's very underrated. And Mark Wahlberg at his comedic best. So from 2012, underrated movie from Mark Wahlberg is Ted. And then finally on this list, as I was rounding through my favorite A-list actors and their underrated movies, I came across one with two actors that I really loved at the time that this movie came out, 2016. Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt starred together in a movie called Passengers. And I think this was probably their biggest decade, you know, with the rise of like the Jurassic Park reboots, Guardians of the Galaxy, Jennifer Lawrence coming off of The Hunger Games, and, you know, doing these big Oscar movies like Silver Linings Playbook. They did a movie together. And I think what I loved more about this movie was the premise behind it. I love sci-fi. I love movies set in space. I love movies set far into the future. And this movie felt like maybe a dream I had at some point. And it was 
but I think I enjoyed the premise so much that no matter how the movie was going to be executed, I was going to love it. One, because it already had two of my favorite A-list actors, Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. But sex a story about all these passengers going on this voyage to this new planet to where everything's supposed to be amazing. But they're put in these pods to go to sleep and not meant to wake up until years later to where they're awakened at this new planet. But what happens is Chris Pratt's pod malfunctioned and he woke up 90 years too early to when they're supposed to meet their destination. And he starts to fall in love with the idea of this other passenger by just reading about her story. That passenger ends up being Jennifer Lawrence. So what does he do? He decides to wake her up so he has somebody to spend the rest of the time with because he's probably not going to live to see this new colony planet. So the movie is one part sci-fi and one part romance. So I think the movie just kind of also raises a bunch of questions of what you would do in that situation. You know, the comet struck and damaged the ship, forcing you to wake up. You live a year in solitude. Would you wake up another person just to have somebody to spend your time with? Would you in turn fall in love with that person? And then would you tell that person what you did? Would you admit to lying to them about it? So I think this is an underrated movie from both Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. I think the movie really wasn't that well received by critics and didn't perform as well as the box office as everybody was expecting. It was at a time where, you know, space movies were still big, but kind of on the way out a little bit, kind of falling off the success of Gravity. But I still found myself really enjoying this one. If you're into sci-fi and romance, I think you may like it too. So that is what I have on this list, some underrated movies for some A-list actors. If there's one you think you would add to the list from one of your favorite actors, let me know. Send me a tweet, send me a DM at Mike Distro on Instagram and Twitter, or you can always shoot me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. In my best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. All right, going to get into a spoiler-free movie review now, talking about what is now Netflix's most watched movie of all time. The movie is Red Notice, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. Three big A-list actors all in one movie, so how could it fail, right? A movie I wasn't entirely, like, hyped to watch. I think I'm kind of just a little bit tired of The Rock being in everything. I'm a little bit over Ryan Reynolds after watching Free Guy. I like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, but I haven't really got into any of her other movies. So I was curious to see how three actors of their caliber and how their chemistry would be on screen. So before I get into this review, here is just a little bit of Netflix's Red Notice. She set me up. Frame me. A few clever keystrokes and poof. Bye-bye, Jim John Hartley. She's gonna steal Cleopatra's eggs. They're priceless. If we catch her together, I can clear my name, and I'll help you become the number one thief in the world again. Lift with your neck. Even if I did partner up with you, you still only have one brain. What's your plan, son of a So let's get into what Red Notice is about. It's about Ryan Reynolds' character. He is an international art thief said to be the self-proclaimed number one art thief in the world. And he is trying to steal one of these eggs. And they are Cleopatra's eggs. There are actually three of them in the world. And the goal of all the bad people in this movie is to acquire all three eggs. Which, uh, at the start of this movie, I just thought that premise was a little bit dumb. It started out very cheesy. It kind of felt like a 90s old school kind of action movie that you would, like I was talking about earlier, probably watch on like a Saturday matinee on some random network TV channel. And in the movie, The Rock plays an FBI agent who comes in to foil Ryan Reynolds' plan to steal this first egg. And in turn, he gets set up by Gal Gadot's character, who is known as the Bishop in the movie. Again, this is all from the trailer, so it's not a spoiler in any way. She frames The Rock as being kind of in cahoots with Ryan Reynolds to steal this egg. So The Rock has to team up with Ryan Reynolds' character to, in turn, stop Gal Gadot from her evil plan. So again, that's kind of a lot to explain, but when you watch the movie, it becomes a little more apparent of what they're trying to do. I just felt like they were trying to do too much in this movie. And the initial thing that kind of took me out of this movie was the acting. And I felt like The Rock was a little bit too much The Rock. I felt like Ryan Reynolds was a little too Ryan Reynolds. He was he now, I feel, is a little bit typecast. He's kind of the wacky, wisecracking, kind of Deadpool character in every single movie that he does. And after watching Free Guy, I kind of had enough of that. And I like Ryan Reynolds' movies. I was just talking about Adventureland earlier. But I just think for the first time, I'm having a little bit too much rock. I'm having a little bit too much Ryan Reynolds. And I know he's actually about to take a break from acting after his movie comes out next year with Will Ferrell. So maybe even Ryan Reynolds is feeling a little bit of Ryan Reynolds fatigue. So I actually think my favorite part of this movie was Gal Gadot's performance. 
But again, all their characters felt a little bit too campy and the whole kind of story felt a little bit too textbook movie, which isn't a bad thing. And I guess I was expecting a little bit more levels or layers to the story, but it was very straightforward. So while the acting wasn't there for me, while the comedy wasn't there for me, I just felt like the jokes kind of fell flat. There were a lot of just kind of your same quirky references that Ryan Reynolds character does. You know, just your references to pop culture, your references to internet culture, like all those are kind of just in there and kind of expected. So the movie didn't really make me laugh at all. The only time it really made me laugh was the scenes that were so kind of cheesy action, which I enjoyed. So kind of in the moments that I think maybe you weren't supposed to laugh, I found myself laughing. But given all of that, that I didn't really love the acting or the comedy in it, I thought that straight up action in it was exactly what it was supposed to be a big hollywood production with big explosions big guns big fight scenes and i think the pacing in that really kept me entertained throughout the entire movie and it kept me kind of wanting to go along the entire two-hour ride in this so why i felt it didn't kind of meet my expectations of it being kind of a next level kind of step for netflix i thought it did a really good job of taking Away what you expect a streaming movie to be. And now that it's Netflix's most watched movie of all time, I kind of see now more and more how that's going to happen more effectively. Now, just surpass Bird Box of being the movie that most people have seen on Netflix, which I found surprising because when that movie came out a few years ago, and I felt like that was one that we all experienced together. It was over Christmas break, and I felt like everybody watched that movie And it was such a big accomplishment for Netflix to have like that real first big movie hit to where people, you know, didn't really just think about them of having all these successful TV series. We were like, okay, Netflix actually puts out quality movies that kind of hold up to all the other movies coming out in theaters. I didn't really felt like this one had that same effect. I think what it was was having three big actors like this to where it was kind of too big to fail. When you have The Rock promoting this movie on Instagram with video after video, post after post, Story after story, I felt like it got out there so much. And a lot of that is it being so well promoted. Aside from the content of the movie, you know, really spreading through word of mouth. I just think it was right there big on the splash page when you turn on Netflix that a lot of people went to watch it. And Netflix also has a lot more subscribers since Bird Box came out. So I don't really feel like that title holds as much as it did for Bird Box. But I do see the direction now that Netflix can go with putting out the same quality movies as you would see in theaters and not think anything different about it. It's just about getting eyeballs on the screen at this point. And Netflix has the power to do that. The most people are going to see it and you have them paying The Rock, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds $20 million each for this movie. And they spent in total $200 million for this movie. So yeah, it was going to be their most watched movie just by how much they invested in it. It had to be. So overall, I would say this is just a really good popcorn movie. And where I think this movie kind of shines is that it's a very good escapism movie. A movie I didn't really think about anything else while I was watching it. And I think that's what a good movie does and what we actually turn to movies for. It doesn't have to be the most captivating thing. It doesn't have to be the most groundbreaking thing. But for those two hours while you're watching this movie, you just kind of feel good. Like, you're not thinking about real problems. The movie doesn't have any real political references. There's just nothing about this movie that makes you kind of think about the real world. And that's really what a good movie like this is supposed to do. It's supposed to appeal to everybody. And yeah, maybe the jokes fall a little flat. But while they don't, you know, really hit on me as a 30-year-old movie nerd, they probably kind of resonate more with like a younger kid or teenager. So I get that. 
I think it's a movie that critics will probably slam pretty hard for, you know, not meeting those standards. But a movie now that I would say if around the holidays you're just looking for something to watch with the entire family, something just like simple, a kind of just it is what it is movie, I think it's a solid pick. I will end by this. I did find some of the plot lines in this movie just downright infuriating that I wanted to at some point just yell, come on at the screen. Like, I was supposed to buy into this, but I was fine with it. I finished watching the movie and just thought overall I enjoyed it. I don't think I could give this movie a solid three. Like, it's right there on the border of that. It took me a bit of the movie to kind of fully be into investing my entire time into it. So just for the sake of continuity of my rating system, I will give this movie a light three out of five golden eggs. A good, not great movie. And I hate giving it that golden egg reference because I just thought that was kind of the dumb part of the movie. Like, did they have to really be finding eggs? Seemed very cheesy to me. But I'm curious to see how this movie continues to grow over the holidays as more and more people watch it. And what movie will kind of knock this movie out of the top spot? Because I think the next big movie they do, they're going to want it to beat this movie. So I just think that kind of title of being the most watched Netflix movie doesn't really hold what it used to. But those are my thoughts on Red Notice. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into exactly. what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. 
And now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down movie trailers of movies coming to streaming and theaters very soon in a segment we call... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And the first trailer we're looking at today is Jurassic World Dominion, which they pretty much just released the entire first five minutes of this movie. So something I haven't really seen a lot of movies do before. They released the entire prologue. So before I get into what I think about this new Jurassic World movie after seeing this, here's just a little bit of that. So I do think that was pretty cool. They put up the first five minutes of the movie. So if you search that up on YouTube, you can also watch the first five minutes of this new movie. Now, this is the third installment of this Jurassic World reboot. And I feel like these movies haven't been as memorable as the original Jurassic Park movies, but I still find them very enjoyable. I still think they're very fun. I think for me, while I was watching this, I get kind of taken out of it by the special effects. Something that was so kind of special about the first movies, granted they were made in the 90s where a lot of this technology really wasn't there. They were basically having to figure out how to do these computer graphic generated dinosaurs in this movie in technology that wasn't even created at the time. So what they did a lot in those movies is they made actual animatronic dinosaurs that they used and the actors could interact with which I thought gave a different feel to that first Jurassic Park movie to where it felt a little bit more like an emotional connection there. And between the animatronics and the actual special effects that they did in the first one, I thought it did a really good job of the really close personal scenes. Felt like there was an actual dinosaur there in the presence of the actors, but when you get into the movies now, it's really just all CGI, computer-generated but what you see in those entire five minutes, it's basically 65 million years before it gets to current day. And then you see several dinosaurs escaping and basically wreaking havoc at this drive-in movie. So I wouldn't say the first two movies in this reboot series have been the best. I do find them enjoyable to watch in theaters. I think Chris Pratt does a pretty good job in these movies. Again, it's just a lot of Chris Pratt. I feel like we're kind of maxed out on all the A-list actors Hollywood is using right now. So we're getting a new Jurassic World with Chris Pratt. Then we got the Super Mario movie voiced by Chris Pratt. He's going to be in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And he's also been announced as the voice of Garfield in an upcoming movie. So it's a lot of Chris Pratt. But good thing about the Jurassic World movies is I feel like the dinosaurs are the star. So I think I'll be okay seeing him again in this one. Next up in the trailer park is a new animated movie called DC League of Pets. You basically have a DC movie if you are taking like the secret life of pets and doing that with superhero characters. A lot of big name voices in this from Dwayne Johnson, John Krasinski, Kevin Hart, Keanu Reeves, Kate McKinnon. The list goes on and on and on. It kind of just sounds like they took the approach of getting a bunch of big names to sell this animated movie, which I'm not the biggest fan of. But here's just a little bit of that trailer. If it isn't the Justice League. Superman? What's going on? <gasps> You're super strong. I should be a lot more dead right now, right? My best friend is in danger and you have to help me. Well, we're just a bunch of shelter pets. <gasps> but they're stronger than you think. So what happens in this movie it's Superman, who is voiced by John Krasinski, and his dog is voiced by The Rock. 
The Justice League gets captured by Lex Luthor and all the super pets have to come together to rescue their owners. So it's all the other members of the Justice League's pets from like Batman to Wonder Woman. And they all have different superpowers. So if you've seen the animated movie, The Secret Life of Pets, I feel like this is exactly that movie. I feel like it's exactly that movie. Even the casting in this, you have Kevin Hart in this movie. He was also in The Secret Life of Pets. So I actually like The Secret Life of Pets, the first one that is. I'm not embarrassed at all to go see a kid's movie as an adult man by myself. I like the added element of there being some superhero references to this. But I do have to say, this is not the direction I wanted DC to go in mainstream animated movies. I recently talked about a movie called The Death of Superman, which I thought was one of the best DC movies I've ever seen. Live action or not, being an animated movie, I thought it was amazing. And I think their storytelling really is able to cut through animation to the point to where you don't even realize you're watching an animated movie while watching that movie. If you want to check that one out, it is on HBO Max, but I kind of wanted them to go more in that direction. I think that would definitely make them stick out for Marvel, which I think it is a bit tough to get people and adults to want to go see an animated movie meant for adults. So I think they're looking for a hit here. Because one, you got the A-list cast. Two, you have it appealing to kids. Three, you have the superhero elements, so I think this movie will make a bunch of money at the box office. Kind of a cash grab, it feels like to me. And it also doesn't feel like it has a place in the DC world. Like, I don't think this movie is necessarily going to line up with all the other things they have going on right now. But it looks like a fun and cute movie. One, I won't be rushing to the theaters to get to see. But probably when it comes out on HBO Max, I will watch this one. But it does hit theaters on May 20th, 2022. And that's going to do it for the trailer park. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. But before I hop out of here, every single week, I give a shout out to one of you who listens to the podcast and sends me a message on Instagram, tweets me at Mike Distro, or shoots me an email at moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this week, I'm going over to my Instagram DMs. And the shout out is to Silas who sent me a DM about last week's episode, and Silas wrote, Another solid episode. Agree completely on Spider-Man and wanting to wait to feel those reveals in theater. Hope you have a great holiday and safe travels. FYI, I was having a bad start to the day, but at work, you helped me take my mind off that and get stuff done. Thanks again and love your podcast. Appreciate that, Silas. And to anyone who listens to this podcast and it's kind of your distraction of the week, like that really hasn't set in my brain while I'm doing this podcast, I really started this as a passion project because I loved movies so much and review them just online anyway, that this has kind of been my outlet for that. And I think that's also why I like to keep this podcast just completely talking about movies the entire time. And, you know, even when I was reviewing Red Notice earlier, I was talking about how that movie was kind of a form of escapism. And that's sometimes what we look to in our entertainment. So, I always just want to bring you movie content and you know what you get when you click play on this podcast. If all you want is 30 minutes of just some guy ranting and what he likes about movies, what he doesn't like about movies. I want this to be that place for you to come and enjoy, to share with your friends, to tell people about, but just kind of building this little movie community has really meant a lot to me. And if this podcast in any way is able to get your mind off of, you know, the bad days you're having, the rough stuff you're going through in your life, you know, that's why I really look to movies. That's what that's always been to me my entire life and why I do this podcast. So I think all together, collectively, us watching movies, talking about movies, that's the entire goal here, to have this safe space to where we can just only think about that for the entire time we're listening to this podcast. That's why I love doing this. For you, Silas, for anyone else listening who just needs to hear that, 
I am here for you. I can admit the last couple weeks of my life have been a little bit chaotic. If you're not familiar with the Bobby Bowen show, we did announce on there that we are currently doing the radio show and now in turn this podcast from a country in Central America. And related to this podcast, I think one of the hardest things for me is I haven't been able to go to a movie theater in like three weeks now because there's not a movie theater around here. And I think the closest one to me just shows like really old movies. So I couldn't really go watch a lot of the new movies in theaters that I want to go see. So if you've noticed, a lot of the reviews have switched to movies that I can watch on Netflix. So I can't wait to get back home, go to a movie theater and check out probably King Richard and really can't wait to watch the new Spider-Man movie in theaters. That's been kind of my light at the end of the tunnel getting to see that movie. So appreciate you for listening to this week's episode. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time, later. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.